Good morning, everybody. So, oh, you all talk back. That was great. Normally, everyone just sits there. <laughs> so it's great. So I'm continuing our series on remaining inwardly strong uh, whilst being outwardly focused. Hopefully, you can see that. Uh, we're talking about pastoral care over the last few weeks. So Nigel started us off by talking about uh, what pastoral care looks like in the Bible, what the word pastor actually means. It actually means shepherd and, and the connotations of that and what that means for us. And Joe last week talked about pastoral care as a church, how uh, when something happens, when a crisis happens, and people ask, what is the church doing? The answer is, you know, what are we doing? Because we are the church. It's not just about the people who maybe happen to work for the church uh, full-time or part-time. It's about all of us being the church for each other and how important it is to love, serve, and look out for each other. So this week I'm talking about how we remain inwardly strong as individuals. And the reason we're talking about this in any case is because we've talked a lot over the last year or so about this principle of scattered servants. If you've been in church at any kind of point over the last year or two, you've heard this phrase, I'm sure. Uh, We're talking about people who know who they are in Jesus, people joining in Jesus's mission uh, to impact our communities, impact the places in where we're living. Uh, For some of us, that is a hard message. For some of us, uh, I think you're probably sick of hearing the term scattered servants, you're thinking, perhaps I might be able to get through tomorrow, let alone figure out what Jesus' mission is for my life, right? So for some of us, we struggle even to get out of bed in the mornings. Some of us are overloaded by stress, or joblessness, or homelessness, or relationship breakdown, or perhaps severe trauma from the past. And it feels very difficult to even comprehend what it might look like uh, to be a scattered servant. So... Nigel talked in the first week about how church is or can be looked at as four separate things. He talked about how church is a family, how church is a school, how church is an army, and how church is also a hospital. And for those of us who are really just struggling to go through the day-to-day, we belong in the hospital. That's where we need to be at the moment. Uh, So let's have a look a little bit at, at what that looks like for us. As people, how do we remain inwardly strong? How do we deal with the things that have come to afflict us in the past? How do we deal with massive bereavement or illness or homelessness or joblessness? How do we deal with abuse that we've suffered in the past? How do we get to be inwardly strong? How do we access some of the stuff we've been talking about? How do we live the life that Jesus called us to in the midst of difficulty and suffering? So let's have a look at the hospital for a minute and let's have a look at what the hospital is for. Uh, so this is a, if you can see it, hopefully. Okay, this is a nice comfy place. Uh, it's got a nice chair. It's got colourful, uh, I guess, colourful curtains. I suppose you could say that. A nice bedspread. Uh, this is a hospice. A hospice is a wonderful place. Hospices are amazing places, but they're for people who are dying. They're for people who are in the last days of their life where they can be in a place that's not clinical, it's not uh, too, it's really geared around supporting them and making sure they're not in any pain until they, they pass away. And that, those are enormously good places for people in their last days. And I visited many of these places uh, as I've uh, visited relatives who, who have died uh, a few days later. But this is not our calling. This is not our calling as a church. We're not called to be this kind of hospital. We're not called to be a spiritual hospice. We're not called to care for people's basic needs and make the pain go away for decades, but the pain's still there until they die and go to be with Jesus. That's not the calling of the church. 
The calling of the church is to be a hospital that's a little bit more like this one. This is an army hospital in Basra in Iraq. Okay, it's basic, it's functional, it's got basic lighting, it's pretty stark, um, but people in this hospital get well. They come in, they're beaten up, they're bruised, they've been shot, they've been blown up by things, and the amazing doctors and nurses in these places fix them, put them back on their feet and send them back out. That's our calling as a church, as a hospital. Okay, it isn't as comfy, it isn't as pleasant to be in, but there's hope here. There's real hope. Now, we're not making light of people's situations when we say, this is what our calling is. It, to be honest, some people come into places like this and they're really messed up. You know, some of us have been through enormous difficulty and pain and some people uh, walk with the effects of some of that for a long time. But this is still our calling. We're called to be an army hospital and not a hospice. We don't believe that you need to wait until you die to deal with your pain and your brokenness and your trauma. Some things take years to process and deal with, but let's not let them rob us of our calling to live with Jesus and partner with him on his mission. Let's treat uh, the times where we need to get fixed and get healed of our hurts as opportunities to get right so that we can go back and, and partner with Jesus and go back into the fight. So what I would love to do is just spend a bit of time having a look at what the Bible says uh, to those of us who are feeling burdened by things like this, who are feeling like they need to spend time in the hospital. Let's see what the best ways or uh, how we can best react to our circumstances and our situations in order that we might uh, be able to get back on our feet. So if you have a Bible, uh, you might want to... This is a Bible phone case. I thought it was quite cool, so I thought I'd show you it to you. Uh, let's have a look at what the Bible says about serving most people's Bibles do exist in this kind of form anyway these days. Um, firstly, the Bible teaches us to expect suffering and difficulties. The Bible doesn't teach us a naive and unrecognizable, just follow God and your life will all be rosy. That is simply not in the Bible. The Bible is full of bad things that happen to good people who don't deserve it. That's just the reality of life. Uh, if you turn to 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 13, I'll give you a minute to do that. It says here, dear friends, this is Peter writing to the church a number of years after Jesus had, had died, had been raised up and had gone on to, be, uh, to go to heaven. And um, he'd, he'd um, ascended. And a number, for a number of decades, the church suffered enormous difficulty and persecution. Uh, people were taken from their homes at night. People were rounded up. People were thrown to the lions. I mean, it was a dreadful time. Uh, in a number of ways for, for believers. Uh, and Peter writes this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. It's interesting, isn't it, that Peter says that he doesn't see this as strange. He doesn't see this as out of the ordinary. Jesus himself said in John verse 60, uh, chapter 16, verse 33, In this godless world you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. That's so hopeful and encouraging. But we will continue to experience difficulty. Suffering and pain and difficulty is part of the struggle for life. It's part of the struggle that we face as believers in Jesus. There will be things that come against us. We are in a spiritual battle. It won't ever be rosy and completely pain-free. 
we will be able to move on. We will be able to get back on our feet and be able to join with Jesus in our mission. But that doesn't mean that we won't have trouble. The Bible does not teach that. It teaches us that we will have trouble, but that he has overcome the trouble so that we shouldn't be surprised when we see it. So the hope that we have in the midst of that is that the Bible also teaches us how to deal with these situations. Sure, the Bible says we're going to have trouble, but it also teaches us how to deal with the trouble. So the best thing that I can say in response to this, if in doubt, do, do what Jesus did, or watch, look at Jesus and see what he did. How did he live his life? What did he react? How did he react to situations? Now, many of you might think that Jesus seemed to just kind of motor around and do different things, get to talk to people, had lots of people following him, telling he was amazing. Uh, if you actually look at his life, his life was actually really difficult. I'm not even talking about when he was arrested, tried for something he didn't really do, and then murdered on a cross. I'm talking about the time before that. Jesus got separated from his parents, for example, at a young age. Uh, when he was 12, he, got separate, he was lost for two whole days. He, we think that it's very likely that he lost his earthly father, Joseph, at some point before the age of 30. So he'd suffered from bereavement. Um, not to mention the fact that he lived in a society that was underneath the Roman thumb. He lived in a climate of oppression and fear his entire life. And then towards the end of his life, he was abandoned by all of his friends when he most needed them and was betrayed by one of his closest companions. So Jesus didn't have a very easy time of it. He didn't have a life that we were considered to be uh, trouble-free. So how can we remain inwardly strong like Jesus did in the midst of all of those circumstances? And I just want to have a look at three different ways that we can do that. So the first thing that we can do is that we can strengthen our inner spiritual life. So lots of times in Jesus' story, he tells us that uh, or the, the writers of the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, tell us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. Alan Scott writes, Conversation with God is where our hearts begin to find wholeness and rest. Here's a picture of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, in the midst of amazing suffering and unbelievable difficulty, he knew what was going to come. He knew what was going to happen. He had to be able to deal with this hurt and this difficulty. And what did he do? He just spent time on his face before the Lord. That's what he did. I don't know what you think of when you think of prayer, especially if you're hurting and in pain and in difficulty. Sometimes it can feel a little bit like this that we're just pushing a rock up a hill, that we can't really seem to focus, we don't feel like praying, we can't reach God, God doesn't seem to be there. Sometimes we feel like we're making ourselves better through sheer effort, or we spend all of the time praying, telling God how miserable we are. Now the truth is, is that when we pray like this, when we pray thinking about our own stuff, our own difficulties, our own pain, our own discomfort, we end up usually coming out of that situation feeling more miserable than when we started. Right. I don't know if you have experience of that. That's certainly my experience. Uh, and it's true that we can't, when we pray or when we try and change ourselves, we cannot change our behavior. We can't change our thought patterns. We can't change uh, any kind of thought process with, through our own effort. I don't know if you knew that, but it's impossible. I don't know if you've tried. I find it, I've tried a lot, and I can't do it. Uh, we can't seem to stop ourselves sinning. We can't seem to stop ourselves thinking thoughts that are uh, difficult or, uh, or wallowing in our own self-pity. It's difficult to do that. Uh, so in a, in a great little book called Freedom from Sinful Thoughts, Heidi Arnold said, we want to make it quite clear that we cannot free 
and we cannot purify our own heart by exerting our own will. So how do we pray? What do we do? How, how do we get out of uh, the hole that we find ourselves in? Um, well, the answer is found in Romans. We've been just looking at Romans uh, a lot recently. And I just want to draw your attention to chapter 5, verse 17. Paul is talking about the abundance of grace. He's talking about how uh, through in Adam's death and Adam's sin, the sin of the first people, humankind died and was condemned to suffering. But through the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, uh, life comes to us through Jesus. The free gift of righteousness. Righteousness is free. It is not something we can work to. It is not something we can attain. It is not something that we can grasp hold of even. It's something that is given to us, and all we can do is receive it. It's actually something that there is no way of manufacturing. There is no way of manufacturing healing. There is no way of being able to bring about our own righteousness through our own efforts. The only way that we can do it is to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. We need to be able to come to him and say, I want to receive your free gift of righteousness. Help me to do that. It's as simple as that. So when we're praying and when we're spending time with him in the midst of difficulty and suffering, the only thing that we can do is hold our hands out to him and just say, please, just help me. I need your help. I need to receive your free gift. That's the only way of doing it. There's nothing that we can do in our own effort. It would be impossible to do that. I've been learning about this recently. I've, uh, God has, has been uh, honoured me to pray more. <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, he just kind of puts my, his finger on it and I keep thinking, I really should, I really should pray more. I really should kind of uh, do more, uh, spending time with him, you know, that whole thing. And uh, I, I, again, I don't know about you, but everything else in my life seems to crash in and get in the way of that every single time I try. It's, it's difficult to do. Uh, so what I decided to do is I would decided to read through a prayer book at the beginning of this year. And I would, uh, there's a little prayer and then a little verse and then another prayer. And that's it, something quite simple. But I figured that, it, you know, I'm be able to manage and I started doing this and I would read the little the little verse at the beginning and then it would say quiet and I thought okay so I need to sit in quiet for maybe a minute or two so I would sit there and immediately all of the stuff that was going to happen in that day would just come flooding in and I was thinking oh no what about all of this stuff I have to do I'm really stressed God I'm really stressed you know I've got all this stuff to do I've got this this and this this is going on in my life this is going on this person's been mean to me I don't feel like doing this either please maybe if there's a way that I don't have to do it etc 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 and then I think okay minutes up I've done the quiet thing now <laughs> Onto the verse, you know. And, and, and that worked for a while until God was gracious enough to point out that I wasn't being very quiet. <laughs> so then I decided to try and learn how to just not say anything in God's presence. And I would sit there and the, all these thoughts would come in and I was like, no, no, I'm being quiet. And then all these thoughts would come back. And, and if I'm honest, I'm still struggling with that. That's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> but, uh, but what I'm trying to do is to allow space for God to do his thing rather than for me to do my thing. It's amazing how, how much God has revealed to me my own prayerful selfishness, you know. And, and when we're in the midst of difficulty and, and struggle, that, that's a hard thing to lose sight of because so much of our pain is in present in front of our eyes and we can't do anything but see it all the time. But, but actually, it is the command of God to take our eyes off ourselves and place them upon him 
because that's the only way to healing. That's, we can't do it ourselves. If we think about how much pain we're in, we're condemned to a life of pain. But if we think about how gracious and good he is in the midst of that, then we are released into a life of grace, favor, and mission with God. So I know that the guy who wrote that little prayer book with the little, put the little quiet thing in, he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> because being quiet before God is often the best way to pray, when we're, especially when we're in the midst of suffering. It doesn't feel very productive. It doesn't feel like, sometimes we feel like we need to list all of the things that are wrong in our lives just in case God misses one of them. And maybe he hasn't thought of that other one, you know? It's not just me, right? <laughs> and also reading the Bible is the same thing. It's so easy, isn't it, to go back to our favorite verses in the Bible and think about how good they make us feel. But again, just working through that little prayer book, which is a verse, a different verse every day, and I'm thinking that verse has no relevance to my life. I have no idea why I'm reading this right now. Uh, but actually, uh, what's happening is that God was drip-feeding his truth into me day after day uh, and reminding me that actually... The world turns based on his grace and favor, not on my own circumstances. Right? So looking to the truth, not looking to our circumstances, uh, that's the key to a healthy outlook on our own pain and suffering. Now again, if you're there listening to this and you're thinking, but you don't know my situation, you don't know my situation, you know, I'm in pain, I'm in difficulty, and you're feeling angry about what I'm saying, then I would encourage you to just think, is God speaking to me? God speaking to me about this. Is it time maybe to lay this stuff down and allow him to give us a gift of righteousness and healing? Maybe. The second thing I want to talk about is staying in community. The church community is a great place. Uh, I think I've gone too far. Let me go back. Oh, no, I did want to just mention this. If you are struggling with the, uh, just getting into God's, uh, into the Bible, into God's word to us, then I encourage you to get this app. I've talked about this before, but I encourage you again. It's worth talking about again. Uh, the Bible in One Year app is uh, a Bible uh, passage that's been selected for each year, or three different Bible passages, and a commentary by Nikki Gumbel. It's really, really good. Uh, I personally don't use it. I've got my little prayer book thing. But, um, but uh, my wife uses it. She loves it. It's, and I know a number of you in the church have come up to me and said, do you use this? It's a really good thing. I'd recommend it to you. So I just sort of throw it up on the screen. I don't mind if at this point you get out your phone and download it. That's allowed. Okay. Great. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is church, church community. I really like this picture of, of church community just because it's, it's how church community, I think, should be. Uh, we are all standing together in community, but we're not focused on ourselves. We're looking towards Jesus. That's kind of how I see it. That's what we're doing when we worship. We stand together. We are with each other, but we are focused on him. And for me, that's a perfect picture of church community. And um, truth is, Jesus had a community as well. Uh, he chose a group of people around him, but he didn't need them all the time, did he? Like it said, it, it, he withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. In Luke 10, we often kind of read Luke 10, uh, again, rather selfishly, and we think, oh, this is about us going off to do a mission. In Luke 10, Jesus is talking about how he sent out the 12. So he gives them all these instructions and he goes to, tells them to go off into different cities and towns. And when they go into a town, what they should do, and then they should pray for people, how to pray for people. He was basically equipping them to do mission for him. And then it says a little bit later that they came back and said, oh yeah, this, all this good stuff happened and he rejoiced. Let's read what, I, what we don't read for a minute and think what happened was that all of the guys were sent off, all of the different disciples were sent off into different towns and they were given instructions for how to, how to approach multiple towns. Think about how long the process must have been. It was probably not less than a couple of weeks. It could, e- could easily have been a month or two months 
Maybe who knows? I don't actually know. There's probably someone in here who's saying I actually do know because I've studied it. But but I'm I can't, I'm submitting to you. I can't imagine it being a few days. It's probably a while. So Jesus was on his own all that time. What did he do? Did he have a holiday? I don't know. <laughs> but he did, the point is he didn't feel the need to go with them just because he would feel you know lost without them. He didn't need them all the time, even though his community were really important to him. Now, we must have people in our lives. It's really important to be in a church community. Uh, you're doing it right if you're here on a Sunday. <laughs> it's great. To, it's, even if we're in the midst of difficulty and, and struggle, making the effort to come be in community is important. Uh, but we, it's very important for us to, again, rather like when we spend time with God, let's, I challenge us to think about what can we give to our community, not what can we receive from the community. Um, imagine if everybody in the church came to the church and were thinking about what could they give or what, sorry, what could they get? So imagine if everyone came here and they were just worried about their own stuff. Imagine how that would feel in the room. It's a little bit like all these people who are desperate for a hug, you know, standing around um, and no one wants to give a hug because they were worried about getting a hug themselves. Think about a hug is you can't actually get one unless you give one. So someone has to start by giving one, right? <laughs> Otherwise, hugs don't happen. You see what I mean? Think about it. Think about the last time you hugged someone. Someone initiated that hug. You don't just sort of stand there and sort of happens. Do you know what I mean? Someone, someone has to start. Someone has to go, great to see you, right? Someone has to give something. It's the same in a community. If we were all here for what we could get and all worried about our own stuff, this community simply wouldn't function. For one thing, it'd be very miserable. But if everyone turns up wondering how that they can give, um, I'm not just saying this because you should join teams, but you should join teams. But the point is, is that, that if everyone came with an idea of what they could give, isn't that an amazing witness to, to other, also other people in the church about they know what you're going through, yet they're serving and giving, but also it's the key to our own healing. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So being, if we are able to join, and join in and be involved in church and, and look to give, then we'll have the right attitude. Otherwise, we can get into a bit of a mess. We can become a little bit like this, where we seek to look to people and not to God for our own needs being met. Um, and the, the fact is, is that people cannot solve our problems. Only God can. Now, there is always extra help. So if you are... If you are in a really difficult place, we do have extra support. Sometimes people come into a hospital and they need surgery. Sometimes it's major surgery. And we have an amazing ministry here called Streams of Hope, which if you don't know about, I'd encourage you at the Connect area, there are leaflets about it, or just ask uh, one of the leaders here about it. Um, there are some amazing specialists here who can help you with uh, difficult, deep-seated issues, or they can refer you to, to extra support should you need it. That's a little bit like going in for major surgery. Okay, It's quite a big deal. Uh, but after the major surgery, it'd be a bit weird if we all just sort of lay around as if we were still on the operating table, right? <laughs> um, after that, we get into physio. That means that we actually have to do some work in order to improve. You know, if you go in with a major, I don't know, a, if you break your leg in a really severe way as an adult, you go in for an operation, they put loads of pins in, that's quite a big deal. At that point, it's now down to you, right? You can either choose to basically walk badly with a stick forever, or you have to put the time in at the physio. It's the same thing. Um, we can't just expect streams of hope to fix us and then for us to just be fine. You know, that's not quite how it works. Streams of hope is like major surgery and then we walk it out. Um, and we do that through getting involved in a community and seeking to give, not receive. 
So there are lots of opportunities in our church to get involved. Um, I just want to point out church camp. If you haven't been to church camp, it's a great fun event. Everyone mucks in, everyone gets involved. It really builds the community in the church. It's coming up at the end of June, so do put that in your diary. It's in the, uh, the e-press if you haven't heard about that. Also, uh, life group signups are coming up next month. It's a great opportunity to get into a group of people and just... Uh, receive prayer from them and also give prayer and learn more about Jesus and, and follow him together in a smaller community. I'd really re- recommend uh, both those things to you. And there is always opportunity to get prayed for on a Sunday, even if the call is for, I don't know, pregnant women or something and you're a guy, just come up anyway, it doesn't matter, no one will judge you. Um, come and receive prayer. If you need it and you need to put yourself before God to receive his gift of righteousness, come up and pray and get prayer. That's fine. No one, there's always an opportunity, right? Um, equally, go along to life group, and there's always an opportunity to receive prayer at a life group. And so church community is really important. So uh, strengthening our inner life with God and staying in community. And lastly, really quickly, seeking a life beyond ourselves. Um, and for this, I want to look at Isaiah 58. So if you wouldn't mind turning to that. Um, it's about from verse 9 I'm going to read. It's from the message, so there are no verses, so I don't quite know exactly where, but you'll find it. Isaiah 58 in the Old Testament. So Isaiah uh, was a prophet who wrote one of the longest books in the Bible, and he was writing about 800 or so years before Jesus, to about 3,000 years ago. So this is him writing down what God is saying to the, in those days, the Israelite community, but we can read it to us as the church community, about piousness and not really caring about others. So this is what he said. What I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry, invite the homeless poor into your homes, put clothes on the shivering ill-clad, be available to your own families. Now this is important. If you do this, do this, and the lights will turn on, and your lives will turn around at once. Isn't that interesting? Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help. And I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practice, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You will be like a well-watered garden a gurgling spring that never runs dry. A preacher from America, Jim Wallace, who was part of the civil rights movement, spoke upon this verse, uh, or this set of verses about, I'm trying to think when it was, uh, about 15 years ago at New Wine. And I still remember, which is quite a lot saying something (laughs) about, because I've had a lot of talks in New Wine, but but, uh, I still remember his message on this verse. He basically said, this is the best verse or the best passage in the Bible because everybody gets healed. Right? Everybody gets healed. Because if we look to help those around us who are struggling and in difficulty, then we get healed. Our healing quickly appears, it says in another translation. Um, your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. will be like a well-watered garden. Who doesn't want to be a well-watered garden? Who doesn't want to have their shadowed life bathed in sunlight? So he was talking about people who weren't fixed and sorted. He was talking about a, a community, the, the Israelite community at the time, who were under oppression from many people around all sides. And Isaiah was a real hope in the darkness for them. This wasn't very easy, a very easy time for the community. 
And in the same way, for many of us, it's not a very easy time, but this still applies. If we're able to spend ourselves for others, then our shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. Now, that seems very easy for me to say, but I'm not, I'm not really saying it. I'm just pointing out what's already in the Bible. I'm pointing out what God has said. He said it 3,000 years ago, and it's still true today. So Jesus dealt with difficulty by never losing sight of what his mission was. He never lost sight of what his mission was. That was one of the ways he dealt with it. And our aim uh, is to point ourselves towards Jesus and follow him on his mission. What's the mission? Well, like I said before, our call is to be scattered servants. This is for everyone. Live our life on behalf of others, not focused on our own difficulties, living in our communities for our communities. It's not about us, it's about him. Even in the midst of difficulty. This is true in the New Testament too. Again, the church at the time had things rather harder than we do in this country today. Yet Romans 8.15, Paul writes um, to the church in Rome where you know, pretty bad things happened a little bit later. He wrote this, God's spirit beckons. There are things to do, places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Nadia read that out two weeks ago, but I love it. I'm going to read it again. <laughs> God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms, confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and he, we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. This is a spiritual principle that's been written around many times over hundreds of years. It's the truth. So if we're struggling uh, with what's right in front of us, if we're struggling with pain, difficulty, trauma, bereavement, illness. This is still true for us. We can hold on to this. We can cling on to his cross. The danger is, is if we don't, it's very easy for us to focus on ourselves and our own pain and our own difficulty rather than on the pain that he bore for us. And we slip back into hospice mentality again. Where everything, we want to make everything as comfortable as possible so that we can't feel the pain and we can kind of live out the rest of our days in that kind of slightly anemic state um, the truth is is that we are not dying we are not dying so how can we do this how can we live our lives as adventurously expectant um, well when we pray let's try not to list all of the things that, that we are worried about or we are concerned about or that we are in pain about but let's ask him what he's doing Maybe set an alarm on your phone midday every day. Again, if you do this now, I won't be offended. Uh, ask God to, to write, write on your phone. You know where it says alarm on an iPhone? You can change that. You can just say, ask God what he's up to, maybe. How can we spend ourselves on others? Now, this may not feel possible. It may not feel doable, but it is his command. You know, he commanded us to go and make disciples So to, to sum up, the church is an army hospital. It's not a hospice. The Bible teaches us that suffering and trauma are inevitable 
in this world. That doesn't make them uh, any less painful. And I'm not, I really don't want you to hear me that I don't feel uh, the difficulty and the pain that we see all around us. You know, I feel it very deeply. I've been in, in really difficult times in my life where I've had to give things up, where, uh, for example, uh, a few years ago I had to give up a business that I was near and dear to me that I'd spent seven years building. And, and through that, uh, I experienced, uh, without going into the details, because I don't want to blame anyone, but um, significant betrayal. And that was extremely hard to process and deal with. It took me, it, I, I think it probably took me three years to get over um, and during that time, I struggled with incredible doubt in just that God even existed, let alone that he was a good God. You know, just real difficulty, pain and doubt. And, and ultimately it came down to the fact I had to forgive a, no, a couple of people, well, really just one person, uh, for, for the way that they had behaved. I don't really want to talk about it anymore because I don't, I don't want to, uh, to blame them because I've forgiven them. I want to let that go. I've let them off. It's fine. It's done. Uh, but it was a hard road. And I understand that many of you are in those really difficult places. But remember that we're here to put you back on your feet and, and get you out to stand uh, with you while you look to Jesus for your healing and wholeness. And uh, we're not going to pat you on the head and you know, wrap you in nice, comfortable blankets for the rest of your life. <laughs> okay, That's not what we're here for. Um, so let's follow Jesus' model. Let's strengthen our inner lives. Let's get on our faces before God and contemplate his extravagant goodness rather than our pain and suffering. Let's stay in community. Let's walk alongside other people. Let's seek to serve. Let's get extra support. Sometimes we need surgery. Let's get extra support as, as the Lord directs us. Uh, but let's also seek to live the life he's calling us to live. Let's seek to live a life that's adventurously, ex- adventurously expectant. Uh, asking God what's next all the time. What's next? What's next? What are we doing today? Let's live a life that's centered around others. None of, none of this is ever going to be about how we feel, okay? How we feel today about doing this. This is not about how we feel. It's about doing what's right in spite of how we feel. Let's cling to the cross and his goodness and his promise rather than on other people or on our pain and difficulty. Let's cling to him. Can I invite the band to come back? Can I, can I invite you guys to stand? Some of you, this has been a, a tough thing to hear. Some of you are used to sitting in your pain. And I think God wants to release you from that. He, I think he wants to say, you don't have to do this anymore. Just, just put your arms out and receive from me. Receive my gift of healing and wholeness. Some of you don't even know where to begin. And I encourage you to just open your hearts to him and let him work. Let him work. We don't have to know where to begin. He knows where to begin. Now, if you're walking in healing, I encourage you not to dredge stuff up that God has already dealt with. But you know if this is for you. You know if you are in a place where you need to start responding and, and reaching out for his free gift of righteousness. And just be always aware that his cross is bigger and his love is enough always enough.